Today's Palm Sunday, Good News version of the Holy Bible reading, is taken, taken from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. The triumphant entry into Jerusalem. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives. There, Jesus sent two of the disciples on ahead with these instructions. Go to the, go to the village there ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied up with her colt beside her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything, tell him the master needs them. And then he will let you let them go at once. This happened in order to make what the prophet had said come true. Tell the city of Zion, look, your, come, your king is coming to you. He is humble and rides on a donkey, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did what Jesus had told them to do. They brought the donkey and the colt, threw their cloaks over them, and Jesus got on. A large crowd of people spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds walking in front of Jesus and those walking behind began to shout, Praise to David's son. God bless him who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was thrown into an uproar. Who is he? the people asked. This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee, the crowds answered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everybody, or afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully, with the weather being a bit better, uh, we can find ourselves uh, doing different things uh, outside and about in the uh, garden. And of course, uh, keeping that social distance that we're all uh, so being uh, made aware of. But I do hope you're well. Uh, it's been an interesting uh, week and we hope that the daily updates are being helpful and we look forward to adding a few little extras after the Easter, after the Easter break, uh, just to sort of keep feeding us because this looks like uh, becoming a long journey. Uh, can I just say thanks also to everybody who is helping um, distribute and keep things going uh, and letting people get hard copies of the daily update and uh, things like that that are just really sort of touching people's lives and little things and uh, like celebrating birthdays and sharing coffee, virtual coffee and stuff like that. Really enjoyable and good to keep in touch, especially uh, as we're sort of feeling quite alone. Um, but I wanted to speak about this morning's uh, uh, reading, which is from Matthew chapter 21. If you've got your Bibles open, uh, do turn to those pages. I don't know what they are in your Bible, and I'm going to keep using that joke. Um, and and this, this week, I just found ourselves, I don't know if you went out uh, to your doorstep or to the end of your drive uh, to applaud the NHS on Thursday evening at seven o'clock. Uh, to be honest, uh, we had planned to do it. And it was only when we heard somebody banging a, a, a saucepan with a wooden spoon that we were reminded. So we did go out 
and we did applaud and it was tonight uh, that night was for uh, key workers as well so uh, we were blessed uh, uh, by a food delivery van going through and being able to show our appreciation but there was that lovely sense while we were there although we were celebrating there was also this sense of i want somebody to come along uh, so that i can say great great job that you're doing. I want people to know uh, that we are appreciative of what they're doing and that they have our support. Um, so it's important. But inside, there is that thing in us, isn't there, that says, I want somebody to come. I want, I appreciate uh, what they're doing for us. Um, and we appreciate uh, the efforts they are putting in to keep us all safe. Uh, down our road, a main road, there were quite a few people out. It'd be good to see, uh, good to see more out uh, as we go. But there is that sense, isn't there, of being able to welcome uh, somebody and, and give thanks for them being there, which is brilliant for Palm Sunday, isn't it? I mean, Palm Sunday is about uh, people lining the roads uh, uh, to give thanks for the arrival of Jesus Christ, that he has come uh, into, he's coming towards the city, and he is making himself known uh, to them. And there was a sense amongst the people of expectation that God would one day send uh, a Messiah, somebody who would save them. And that's quite a big idea. It's not just relieve them from uh, the, the oppression of being ruled by the Romans, uh, who at times were really cruel. Uh, but it was also to relieve them from that sense of guilt and sin uh, that was so embedded in, in their law. Uh, and that there would be somebody who would come to bring God's forgiveness uh, to them as well as rule as a king like David. So the passage is quite loaded. It's a it's a period of high expectation. But into this 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 scene, it's almost electric. Uh, comes uh, Jesus, and he organises his disciples to find all of these things. And that's an interesting thing to pick up on another time. Uh, but I want to particularly look at how the scene is set, much like a coronation. Jerusalem is preparing. Uh, to receive this person and the crowd outside are saying here comes the king and they are uh, acting like uh, like the crowd around any kind of jubilee there's a sense of coronation of an arriving king uh, the the cloaks on the ground the palm trees uh, from the uh, from the, uh, the palm leaves from the trees are, are, are all signs of God's people welcoming God's appointed ruler so there's a sense in which there's a huge celebration uh, and it's a religious festival as well because this person would be God's person of choosing. So it's very interesting uh, to sort of reflect uh, upon about what's going on here as well. This, this is the signs that the people are welcoming Jesus with signs of their submission to his authority, that they want to give of who they are to him, that they want him into their lives. But this is the crowd from the north. This is the crowd uh, who have followed him from Galilee. This is the crowd that have known him and have sort of sought him out and sort of wanted to find out more about him. But they're not the crowd who live in Jerusalem. And that's quite important um, because they've got experience. They've heard his teaching. They've heard not just what he says, but the way he says it. They've heard perhaps a tone of compassion in his voice. They've heard him unfold God's teaching, God's word to people in a way that his law made sense and that this life that we read about can be real. It's not so much uh, for the people in the city. 
and we'll come to them. But Jesus is now appearing to them deliberately and he's taking on this this role of the king coming in peace uh, there was a prophet in the old testament called zechariah and in what we call chapter nine uh, he prophesied that this king would come riding on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey uh, and, and it's this wonderful image but it's a very much a peaceful image this king who comes is the king of peace the king of god's peace He's the one who's coming to the city. And Jesus takes on this mantle, takes on this image. He said, of course, it is him. But he wants them to know in whose name he's coming and with what qualities he is coming. What sort of king is he going to be? And so he presents himself not just to the crowd who know him a little bit, but also to the city who don't know him very well at all. And that's where some of the tension in the story lies. Jesus has been bringing his disciples, his followers along, and this greater crowd has um, has joined in and, and is lining the streets. The crowd that went before and the crowd that followed all shouted Hosanna uh, to the king. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They are all bringing in. Uh, the cheering and bringing in this king's uh, quality and, and celebrating his arrival. So all the signs are there, but when they get to the city, uh, they're not so sure. They haven't heard or seen much of him. They've heard rumours, perhaps, but they haven't seen him. They haven't heard his teaching. They haven't seen him heal people, perhaps. And so for them, it's all about rumour. For them, it's all about what is going on here. And so they ask, who is this? They haven't heard him. They want to know for themselves. And so they ask, who is this? I mean, he's coming like a king. And, you know, that could be quite dangerous. I mean, is he coming with war? Is he coming to conquer? Is he going to overthrow the Romans? What's going on here? Because this this could be this could end badly. It's a very different response uh, to perhaps those who've experienced Jesus. And that's always important, isn't it? Our experience of Jesus is something that we need to pass on. It's something we need to be able to talk about and say, look, when he when I met him, he was like this to me. And that's an important thing to be able to pass on. So the crowd's response is quite interesting. They say this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth and Galilee. Interesting, isn't it? They don't say the king. They're celebrating a king, but they call him a prophet. And what they're alluding to is what they're saying is that this this man is a prophet. He's sent from God. He has got divine authority. He's got God's authority. This isn't a political setup. This is a divine setup. Palm Sunday marks the beginning of a week uh, where we where we work towards, where we follow Jesus's life as he comes to his death, his tr his death, which follows the mockery of a trial and his resurrection, which follows you know all sorts of doubts and and fears in people's lives and yet overcomes all of those things. It's an it is the truly unprecedented week. It's a word that's been used a lot, but there has never been a week like this Holy Week since then or even before then. There was nothing like that in human history. It changes everything. What we're going through at the moment will change us. That's important. It may change how the church behaves. It should change how society works, like somebody's hitting a reset button. But that's what's happening in Holy Week. God is coming to hit a reset button in us. He was doing it for the people then, and I believe he's doing it for us now. And it's important. During uh, in the in the 
beginning, in, in a sort of work up to this story, Jesus talks to the disciples about what's going to happen. At the end of uh, chapter 20, 18, uh, 20, verse 18, he says to his disciples, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and to the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. He's giving his disciples, you know, an outline of what is going to happen, quite detailed, actually. He's telling them what is going to happen so that when it comes, they can expect it so that they can be prepared. Because the celebration and the joy of, of Jesus's arrival to Jerusalem is going to be met with despair and a sense of failure. And who will hold fast? Who will be able to stand by Jesus and not falter when the accusations come, when the violence comes, when the death comes, when the disappointment follows, when the sense of isolation comes. In the end, none stand by him and Jesus is abandoned. He's left on his own in a garden praying to go up to his father. Take this cup from me if it is your will. How will we respond? How can we uh, respond? How can we be faithful now? Uh, when it seems easy to falter, when the things around us aren't there, when the sense of joy and celebration seems so long ago, it's ages already since we worshipped together. Quite important to hold on to those moments and, and actually to grasp who does God want us to be? How can we be faithful like Christ? How can we learn from him about when things don't feel great? There's always this thing, isn't it? As a child, I used to go to a lot of Brighton and Hove Albion games. And um, there was always that sort of thing about sing. it's easy to sing when you're winning. But what about when you're losing? The true fans, the true, the true followers are the ones who can cheer on their team and stay faithful and hopeful uh, throughout. It's quite important and it's good for us as a church. Can we sing? Can we worship uh, even when it doesn't feel like we're winning? We know the story, how it ends. We know that three days after his death, Jesus rose from the dead, that his death was to atone for our sin and to bring us peace with God. That's the, that's the prince of peace. That's the king of peace, what he is bringing into our lives. But there are moments where it doesn't look uh, like victory. There are moments where we stare at things and we're not sure what's going on. We don't know what's God doing here and how is he working out his purposes here for those who love him, which includes us. How do these things take shape in us? I don't doubt that there were many in the crowd who were joyful and expectant about Jesus's arrival, who had experience of him. And yet I suspect some of those were also amongst them, the, the, the crowd who were persuaded that actually this wasn't the Messiah. This wasn't a divine person. This wasn't the king. This wasn't, he wasn't sent from God. He wasn't actually God incarnate at all. In the end, the crowd declare that we have no king but Caesar. They choose to side with the Romans. Very difficult times for them. How can we live? How can we carry on following Jesus when things get tough? Palm Sunday reminds us, and I hope you've got a cross, Palm Sunday reminds us that that joy of celebration is founded in his death 
and resurrection. Sorry, mine's tacked to the top of the uh, computer screen, so I'm not going to pull it down from there. But it's an important thing. How do we maintain that sense of joy, holding on to a sense of death and sacrifice as well? Well, the key thing is that it was for us. The key thing is that it was for us, and it was by Jesus for us. That's really important. Let's hold on to that. But let's also look to his example about how he coped in difficult stuff. I've started to ration my news intake. I probably just listen to a bit of the government's um, uh, daily briefing at the end of the day. But at the end of the day, I can't, you know, we can all handle only so much stuff. And we've imagined, you know, we've got a routine and we set, we set things to do. And I ensure that time with God is part of that. And it's interesting, when I was thinking about this passage, I was looking at how Jesus coped with it towards the end when it got really difficult. He drew on the Psalms. He drew for comfort from being able to be with God through the words of uh, from the words of those who'd met him, who'd met with God through celebration and praise in the Psalms. I would uh, love to share with you then the idea that we spend one day, part of every day this week, reflecting and thinking and praying about one of the Psalms. And the best one I think I can think of for this is Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is for the living. <laughs> it's for us. It's, it's for these moments, for these times. And I, I recommend that we spend a little bit of time praying and meditating on it uh, each day this week. Five minutes. Read it through. Think about it. Let God speak to you through his Holy Spirit and his word that you would know about. You would know more about this life that you have with God. That's the important thing to develop and grow your relationship with God. So I encourage you to, to read through that at this time, for sure. Spend time in virtual coffees, virtual dinners, virtual birthday parties, all those things that we can share online, but share also your some of your time with God and make it rich, make it rich. Dig deeper because although the world outside is going crazy, he who is in you, he who is in you has overcome the world and we can find more resource from him. It doesn't have to come from us. It comes from his life in us. So connect the two. Put the two together. Put his word and yourself together. Put his living word into your heart and, and let it grow and dwell there. I'm going to end with Psalm 23 uh, just to remind us and set us off on our way. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that despite all the turmoil around us, we are approaching Easter with the promise of salvation because of the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus. Help us to always remember that hope 
whatever else is happening. Lord, we pray for the worldwide church to be a witness to your saving grace and truth at this time. Thank you that Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love God and your neighbour as yourself. Even when it is hard, help us to love our neighbour by staying at home. We thank you for all the churches and everyone else who is helping their neighbours, especially here in Southbourne. Be with Kim and the team, organising support, shopping and keeping in touch, helping people not to feel frightened or lonely. We thank you for our doctors and nurses and all care workers. Please protect them as they do their jobs. We thank you for everyone who keep everyone who works to keep our community functioning and safe. Our police, key workers, council workers, and those who make sure we have everything we need in our homes. Lord, we pray for our leaders in government. We pray that they would all work together to make wise decisions. Lord, we pray for people who live in countries where there is not a good healthcare system. We pray for those whose whole family lives in one room so that they're at high risk of infection. For those who won't have any food if they can't go to work each day. For refugees who have fled from danger but now are in crowded camps with no sanitation or healthcare. Be with them and all those trying to help them. We pray for everyone who is ill. Help the doctors and nurses to look after them and help them get better quickly. We pray for people who've lost someone they love. Please be close to them and comfort them with your presence. We pray for people whose lives are disrupted, especially those who've lost their jobs or haven't got a home or any money. Lord, we pray for all parents and teachers as they try to keep children safe, secure and continue to teach them. Help us to be patient with each other in our homes, not to be cross or selfish, and to help other people as much as possible. Lord of love and light, in this time of fear, give us your peace. In this time of isolation, give us your presence. In this time of sickness, give us your healing. In this time of uncertainty, give us your wisdom. In this time of darkness, shine your light upon us all. In Jesus' name, Amen. <laughs>